Welcome, welcome, welcome to podcast.yamo, a new Kubernetes podcast from the community here in Chennai. With this lockdown, we couldn't do talks, so we thought we'd bring the talks to you. This episode and the next few, it's going to be for beginners. If you're one, we want you to walk with us. I'm your host, Mohan, and here are my co-hosts, Gaurav and Gatik. Hey, Mohan. Hello. So, Gaurav started as a consultant in 2012, and over the past two years, he's been extensively working on Docker and Kubernetes, and he's consulted for several large enterprises. Um, and Karthik, if you have ever been to Geek Night, you would have already seen him. Karthik is the one asking all the questions. So, oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm here to ask questions as well, because, you know, as a, I'm the noob here. I'm the Koob noob. So I'm here to learn and I'm here to just pepper all of you with questions. Karthik has a varied experience in technology roles in companies with five to 50,000 developers. For today's episode, we have Sudhakar. Sudhakar has been uh, one of the early adopters of Kubernetes. In fact, we had him at one of our Kubernetes meetups in 2016. And we also have uh, Chandrasekhar, who has been with Red Hat. And we also have Gopal Ram, who is overseeing uh, enterprise adoption of Kubernetes. Hey, Mohan. Hey, Mohan. Hello. Hey, Mohan. Mohan. Thank you for coming out. So it's going to be a casual discussion today. We'll just go, we are just going to talk about how we started using Docker and how did you, um, I mean, what did you think of it? Hey, Mohan. Yeah, so sometime in the year 2014, I would say. Um, so my colleague was very excited in the discussion. He was saying that hey, I finally found a way to solve the problem of it works in my machine. I was like, what? Okay, what are we talking about? He said, hey, the problem of it works in my machine is because you only ship the code, right? What if we just ship the box? I was like, okay, uh, you know, we wanted to uh, put virtual machines somewhere so that people will pull that and use that. And then he said, uh, no, no, there's a better way to do that. And then he was saying about uh, no containers. And before that, I was hearing about LXE and uh, with which what uh, Docker was built on. But uh, no, he started explaining about how Docker is different in a way it makes it very easy because it is not just the container but the whole ecosystem right around it so that it, it's, it makes very easy for the teams to adopt and uh, yeah that, at that time uh, so the team had multiple other folks who are very interested in um, this uh, virtualization space they were also playing around and I was fortunate to connect with those people and then you no know, so I think that is where I started uh, my uh, journey with Docker. but yeah initially it was magic right anything that we cannot understand is the magic and once we get into the details of how it is all doing that, it was very interesting and an exciting journey from there. Yeah, I think, yeah, thanks, uh, Mohan. I think I think I started, uh, 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 you know, career sometime like 10 years ago. But but during 2015, if, I, if I'm right, uh, you know, you're working for a startup company and where uh, they just said, you know, explore something called Docker. That is the first time I was heard about that. I didn't get a chance to rent that earlier. More working on .NET and the regular, uh, you know, working on some of the product development. Uh, but when I heard it, you know, they just said, uh, you know, that again, we need to use Docker and uh, use uh, uh, that has to be deployed in AWS Cloud. Okay, so both are new that time for me. Uh, I just got a chance to work on, explore 
what is easy to what is how do we create uh, uh, you know container over there um, learning uh, basic uh, uh, commands um, uh, and then and then it was it started from there okay i i, I think i think that was the uh, time i started the uh, docker uh, journey mohan i had uh, like have done my college project particularly on the containerization so the main starting point where i used extensively uh, the containers is in my first company where they were using several microservice architecture applications mm-hmm. so um, you tell me that you discovered docker when you were in college i was searching how, like how to deploy college code so that i can show them a demo so one of the guy he mentioned containers and he just showed the beauty of it you can run 100 containers in a single vm at the time i was fascinated and that's how i i went into this so right i've been around quite a lot so i'll go a little bit back so when i was working for this very small company with five people you know if we needed a server i have actually sat in an auto and gone to a warehouse to pick up a server and that server actually took 3 months to come so when you look at it today 3 months to get a new server 2 weeks to get a new vm 3 minutes to get a new container right so far we've come so far in such a short uh, amount of time so my journey with docker uh, started when i first heard about as sudhakar mentioned right works on my machine and it's it it really struck me as something uh, very easy to set up locally because at that time uh, i was using windows right and i really wanted to get off windows and then i moved to linux which i am still on and just after learning about docker setting up like a postgres on your system it's just just so easy so i come at it from an angle where you know i use it really frequently to set up development environments um still not had much experience with it at work but uh if i were to when you initially think about docker it it didn't come to me intuitively so because i was from that era where you know we used to go buy servers and put them in and you need a new server it takes around 3 months and then slowly came into vms okay i get what a vm is what a hypervisor is then coming to docker what is this uh, it's a container so what is that so it took a while for me to pick up the idea or as like i said the magic behind docker to understand what is really happening actually it's kind of related uh, mixture of everyone um especially with docker and kubernetes um one realization which i had recently with kubernetes was um um back in 2013 um i was working for a saas based product so uh, i started working for a saas based product i later on started managing the server internally where teams were sort of we were not using um gitflow entirely but we sort of had this problem where we had a few servers where a lot of people were um logging in and deploying their own code it was a messy system to be honest um we are all doing this over um a shared vm um with a lot of scripts um shell scripts i've been a huge fan of shell scripts but um at that place a lot of things i got a quick up. question so yeah. did you fight with the guys as to who changed the script why did you change the script did you have those fights because i've had those oh <laughs> that sort of happened every other day it kind of became like um i used to have this uh, painful days where um, 
my eight hours would be split in like um, three to four hours. We're just um, playing a detective, figuring out who was the culprit behind breaking this build again, like breaking this entire environment again. So it yeah. was extremely painful um, at that time. Um, so yeah, Docker came in as a revelation. Um, unfortunately, not while I was working over there. Um, it came in as a revelation later when I was um, setting up this open CV environment on my laptop. And that turned out to be a extreme show. I'm not sure how many of you have actually worked with OpenCV, especially probably in 2017 with Python 2 and 3 both being in flux. Um, kind of like people were like still transitioning from 2 to 3. So setting up environment with OpenCV became a problem. So I sort of um, came across Docker or as a need, as a, um, as a way of ensuring that I don't have to set up, um, like I'm a big proponent of, if I have to do do a thing, I just try to do it once and do it right. So I was like, hey, um, setting up this environment once will not be um, good enough if I do it manually. I have to document the steps. Um, I started by writing a shell script. Later on, I was like, okay, this shell script will work on my system, but it's not going to work on the production system, which was on Linux. So I use a Mac. I was like, okay, I need a better way then. I was like, okay, let's start using, um, I was researching and came across Docker. I'd already heard of Docker before, but then um, this was when I actually started looking at Docker seriously. I was like, okay, let's see what Docker can do. I was like, um, I just started writing a Docker file and I was like, Oh wow, I can actually ship the entire environment onto the other system without building a gigantic VM. Um, that was a big revelation for me. So that's how I got started with Docker. Kubernetes, on the other hand, um, was fairly recent, about two years ago. So this is where I was, um, I ended up trying to build a uh, system very similar to how um, deployments happen in Heroku, right? Like um, you just push a branch and you want your code to end up on the um, right environment. So I sort of wanted to build a similar environment for one of my clients. Um, I ended up using Kubernetes as a base, utilizing AWS's EKS as a solution for that. So yeah, that was pretty much how I got started with Docker and Kubernetes. Um, things were really, they have been pretty interesting so far. I have no complaints for Docker or Kubernetes, there are new things which are always coming out. So I'm excited here to talk more about it, about all the new things which are out there. My story it has been a mix of everybody else's, but there is an important distinction between uh, my story because I was still in college and I, I did not have all these deployment problems. So uh, I was looking for a, a reproducible dev environment. And if you, I'm not sure if any of you guys have used this before, there used to be this tool from HashiCorp called Vagrant. It used to be a huge thing back in 2012, 2011. Just like you, uh, how you download uh, images from Docker Hub, you would download uh, images from uh, some other site like Vagrant Boxes. It's called, in fact, it's actually called a Vagrant Box. You download that box, and then it'll have the the Vagrant box will have all the dev dependencies that your um, dev environment needs. For example, if you are a Ruby developer, you go find yourself a Ruby on Rails or Ruby Vagrant box, 
and it'll have all the uh, dev dependencies and but you know like i used to have back then i used to have a very um, less efficient less powerful laptop and just as soon as i start this vm on a linux machine cpu fans start spinning and my laptop starts heating up and the laptop also becomes very slow and if your computer is slow you don't um, feel in the flow right uh, when you're developing if you type something and it takes a fraction of a second more than it usually takes you you lose the flow when you're developing uh, somebody was saying if you want if all you want is a pristine dev environment why don't you use lxe and then this lxe project was actually making a lot of wave at that time the people who were using lxe they were still looking at it from uh, from the way they were using vagrant they were not thinking about lxe for deployment right lxe gave you a pristine development environment and you create a lxe container it had everything that uh, a, a normal ubuntu server had um and then you you downloaded your dependencies you built your stuff you developed your stuff and then you just if you don't want it anymore you just destroy it and then docker came out it was in fact using lxe underneath but it changed the whole story docker was not about creating pristine environments docker was about making deployments predictable it was quite fascinating and just like chandrasekhar i i also did my college project um in kubernetes i i built up pseudo platform as a service kind of thing on top of kubernetes and i wanted to make deployment of go binaries easy so i created a platform that had a page if you just drag drop the go binary on that page it'll just deploy it'll just deploy that in a container and it'll give you back um, a url which you can access yeah that's a that's a great story so i think virtual box uh, vagrant was using virtual box images vdis or something in the background it was just basically a vm mm-hmm. which you spun up instead of using the uh, virtual box uh, or vmware uh, workstation right. device right right yeah so um so, so vagrant had this ssh command as well vagrant ssh um in fact i was using vagrant as a um yeah it brings back memories thanks mohan for mentioning that yeah so, so mohan uh, so you created a platform as a service using kubernetes so when are you launching your own uh, cloud service so there there were a bunch of platform as a service built on top of kubernetes at the time it was the the era of pass Uh, in 2000 um, when was this 2016 you had a lot of passes that were built on top of um, kubernetes it it was it's like in 2011 everybody wanted to build a social network uh, so it is like that so i'm not going to launch it but the source code is available on github if you want to launch it yourself you can do it gotcha So guys uh, so I think why don't we uh, talk a little bit more about uh, what do we expect of kubernetes and what hopes do we have for it uh, we all know that it's going to be it is the future and it's the way forward for distributed deployments and orchestration but where do you see it um, in 5 years 10 years anybody want to take a stab at that so um the whole idea of kubernetes or the whole point of why kubernetes come into being was to commoditize the cloud right so i think kubernetes has already achieved that nobody is you know hiring people who know google cloud nobody is hiring people who know 
Azure. People are hiring Kubernetes. I see a lot more job descriptions that mention Kubernetes than AWS or Azure. It means it doesn't matter which, which what cloud provider you are in, as long as you have a Kubernetes layer on top of that, and everybody knows how to deploy to Kubernetes, or everybody is expected to know how to deploy to Kubernetes. So the the purpose for which Kubernetes was built, I think it has fulfilled that, you know, except for stateful workloads. So I think uh, over the next year, um, the focus is going to be more and more on stateful workloads. Uh, we see a lot of that. Um, but other than this, I, I, I would bet more on the rest of CNCF ecosystem. If you're talking about five years from now, uh, I would bet on the rest of the CNCF ecosystem more than Kubernetes because a lot of things that are going to happen on Kubernetes is going to be incremental. It's not going to be a zero to one. It's going to be just incremental changes. I mean, yeah, I agree. Kubernetes is not going to go away anytime soon. But one thing um, which I felt lacking, especially when I'm working with Kubernetes, when I was getting started with Kubernetes, is the amount of glue code I had to end up writing. Um, the glue code being shell scripts, um, CI scripts, um, basically to ensure that um, the Kubernetes environment stays up and running. The configurations are there. Um, like we do have helms to provide package deployments um, or deployments over the Kubernetes um, infrastructure layer, but it just feels lacking in a way. Like I'm sure everyone who has worked with Heroku loves working with Heroku because of intuitiveness, its um, simplicity, but it's a cost which drives people away. Whereas Kubernetes kind of does drop the price down. It does, though, bring a lot of complexity overhead just for anyone to get started with Kubernetes. They would have to understand the networking layers, the um, storage layers, as well as the processing layers, which itself is a lot of, it's a pretty steep learning curve. It's not simple to get started with Kubernetes. If especially for beginners, um, especially for people who haven't ever worked with server-based deployment. I have seen a lot of struggling explaining Kubernetes to a lot of students. It's just very difficult for them to relate to Kubernetes in any sort of, any me meaningful manner. I think that's one um, shortcoming of Kubernetes. Yeah, I agree with Doro. So I also had a similar, I uh, know, um, not say issues, but you know, uh, there's a friction in making in someone to understand initially, but the approach that I usually take is uh, like what I do for GraphQL, right? Uh, so I personally feel GraphQL is uh, is a kind of pain to write, but uh, you know it's a delight to use. Uh, the same way, um, if a Kubernetes cluster is already set and uh, we set up the process saying that hey, this is what we need to do. We just need to write you know, part specifications and uh, deployments and uh, you know replica sets or deployments and all these. Uh, then using that is really delightful, right? So I think uh, I introduced the folks, no, don't worry about how Kubernetes is running, but just start using it. And the moment they start using it, they'll be like, saying, oh, wow, this is very nice. Yeah, I can get my branches deployed and I can get the URL. So I can see what is happening. Of course, you need to put all the other monitoring tools in place. So as an, a Kubernetes administrator, yes, it's going to be a steep learning curve. But as a Kubernetes user, like what many cloud providers are already giving you the host type services, I think that is where uh, I would suggest, you know, people who are joining and who are new, who wants to, you know, get their feet wet, uh, start with. And eventually, you know, they will, that journey, I think most of the people will continue to do that. 
and they can get into the details and the depths of Kubernetes. So complex piece of software uh, that takes a long time to understand, but uh, it's really easy to use, and it, it's it's actually a joy to use, as, as most what most of you are saying. So one thing I noticed was um, a lot of people who are very early adopters of Docker, um, at least you know the people who started in two thousand pre two thousand fifteen, I would say they were all you know Linux users. Uh, when Docker came out, it was specifically for Linux because it's Linux. Yeah. Right? Docker is still for um, Linux only, right? Um, yeah, true. Something? Yeah. yeah, that's true. So that's why we have Docker for Mac, uh, Docker for Mac, and all the Docker desktop thing. So yeah, that is true. Yeah, but for a very long time, uh, there was no Windows uh, Docker for Windows. There was no Docker for Mac. So a lot of people who got an early start on uh, Docker were Linux users. A few days ago, I saw a very interesting story on opensource.com. People, the guy who wrote that story, he started using Linux because he was playing World of Warcraft and uh, the Windows Vista was throwing blue screens in the middle of the game. So that's the reason why he switched to Linux. It's the, it's, it's the same story as me. That was the reason why I switched to Linux. And if I hadn't switched to Linux in 2009, uh, I would not have, you know, probably chances are I would not have even learned programming. So for a lot of people, it was like, you know, uh, some random reason cost a bunch of people to switch to Linux. And then they all got an early start on, on Docker. And a lot of people whom we see at the meetups, they're all on Windows machines. So, uh, my experience, uh, so I was, I was in Mac and I was actually... Uh, in Mac uh, for quite long time, from 2008 or so, right? And uh, I am basically a visual person. So I stayed in Mac and I kind of like, you know, the things that are happening in Mac and uh, all that look and feel and the user experience UX side of things. Uh, but um, yeah, anyway, so when I saw that, okay, Docker and containerization is quite interesting, but uh, it's just one virtual machine away. So okay, I installed what I, you know, that what will make me to run you know, Linux inside. Uh, I used VirtualBox and then mm -hmm. um, said, so I have best of both worlds and I was okay with that. That's true. Um, I mean, in fact, that's the way Docker for Mac and Docker for Windows still runs, right? Uh, they spin yeah. up a yeah. VM, a mobile Linux VM um, inside true, true. XHive on Mac or Hyper-V on Windows. I think the newest version of Docker that got released like uh, three, four weeks ago, uh, instead of using a Hyper-V, instead of spinning their own Hyper-V container and uh, you you know having their own Linux flavor of Linux running inside that uh, Hyper V virtual machine, uh, they're just you know delegating that to WSL2. That's what I I saw uh, in a blog post from Docker. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. WSL2 in fact is a virtual machine. It's a Linux virtual machine, and it seems to be yep. a highly optimized virtual machine. Um, the, the original WSL, Windows Subsystem for Linux, that was not a virtual machine. That was a, kind of a stub uh, where, you know, some uh, there was an adapter in between that kind of translated all system calls into uh, all Linux system calls into Windows system calls. There was this translation layer. And, uh, yep, that's exactly right. Yeah. Syscalls were being translated between the Windows uh, commands to the Linux commands. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's actually the other way, right? So the Linux commands to the... Yeah, Linux. the other way. 
Yeah, so for me, uh, I've, I've been on Windows primarily for most of my professional life because uh, mostly a .NET developer with uh, some experience in front-end, Angular, React, etc. So uh, something I found out, when I was at home, I use Windows, I used to use Windows 7 Home Edition. And uh, you couldn't install Docker for Windows on the Home Edition. You, you had to have Pro Edition, Windows 7 Pro. So that was something I found out after a long time of trying out and reading, you know, uh, threads on Stack Overflow and several blog posts. So then I just uh, went with the same approach that uh, Sudhaka mentioned, just spin up a VirtualBox VM and run Ubuntu in it, and use mm -hmm. that. And like uh, about two and a half, three years ago, I switched completely to using Linux as my desktop system. And now I have a Windows VM inside Linux in case I need to use, uh, <laughs> need to do any dot network. Yeah, but uh, my story of trying to switch to Linux as a desktop environment has been going on for the past 15 years. Every one or two years, I'll try it, I'll fail, I'll move back to Windows. And finally, about a couple of years ago, I managed to move to uh, Ubuntu. And then most recently now, I'm, I'm on Pop OS, which, which is a variant of uh, distribution based on Ubuntu. Yeah. If you are a beginner in Docker, um, this is exactly what you should do. You should either get a Linux machine or if you're on Windows, go to your um, settings and enable WSL2. It's not enabled by default, right? So enable that, install Docker, and that's how you get started. Um, I mean, it's, it's a lot easier today than it was five years ago. Five years ago, if somebody, somebody asked me what they should do um, if they wanted to get started on Docker, I would say get get a Linux machine, right? Uh, I don't do that anymore. You can do that on WSL2. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Great, Mohan. So, like, we covered a lot of ground from, you know, what everybody's experience is with Docker and Kubernetes and some deployment strategies, as you mentioned, and Linux as well. I think... Uh, this is a good point where we can kick off into the future for this uh, discussion amongst ourselves. And uh, I think, uh, like you said, we can bring up some good topics where we can discuss in each uh, podcast about each one of them. So I just want to get a quick soundbite from everybody. Why Kubernetes? If somebody were to ask you when you had to give like an elevator pitch, especially from those of you who've worked uh, extensively or to some extent in Kubernetes, why would you say so both from a technical perspective as well as from a benefit to the business perspective? So just quick one or two sentences from everybody on that before we round up. I would say uh, I would use Kubernetes because it's a declarative system, right? I don't say, I don't ask it to do something. I tell it what I want and it figures out how, how it needs to be done. That's what I like the most about Kubernetes. I, I would still say it's a distributed system it it tolerates faults so you can you can happily deploy your application and you you can you can relax sorry um, if i wanted to wear my consultant technology consultant hat i would not suggest you wanted to say everyone before that i'll ask hey where are you what are your problems are you having uh, growing pains and uh, are you that's in the right that's actually the Sudhakar, yeah, sorry to interrupt, but that's actually the perfect consultant response. It depends. Yeah, right. 
and so once there is a clear clarity that yes then they have a good they have the trajectory and the path that where they see that their the consistency are not going to scale definitely then i would say kubernetes is the way to go because of the community support a lot of traction behind it and the way it makes things easy for you to configure assuming that you, know, you have sound people to manage the cluster uh, kubernetes will definitely be the way to go for their needs yeah i i just want to add uh, uh, with sudhakar uh, point so any whatever we uh, i see from some of the customer interaction so whenever they wanted to deploy any cloud the any new development i think they are uh, by default go with uh, kubernetes right any greenfield application development they are going with greenfield but some of the customers they also wanted to uh, uh, you know convert Uh, their existing legacy applications to the kubernetes uh, or containerized right maybe that may not work uh, but but we see a lot of I, i see a lot of traction from there uh, but personally i see uh, kubernetes more fascinating in terms of uh, uh, the growth and uh, kind of ecosystems it brings in uh, i see a lot of uh, 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 the, the the world i mean the the world uh, technology world is going towards that as a one liner kubernetes is a sami knife of deployment you can do a lot out of it um um suicide army knife is not particularly useful if you just need a screwdriver it just becomes unwieldy to keep on rotating this this knife so i think that's a pretty good um comparison with kubernetes itself yep i think uh i think we will uh, close with the point yoros point on knives and screwdrivers <laughs> so i just like to say that uh, from what i said earlier in my introduction right so three months to get a server three weeks to now three minutes to deploy an application that kind of power that that's not going to go away that kind of control and the kubernetes is here to stay and thanks Thank guys you. take care and stay safe thanks all bye thank you guys bye bye